Hey family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I'm going to begin reading at verse number 16. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. If you don't have one, it is on the screen for you to follow with me. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison and while we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal amen that's good to me I'm going to read that one more time it says therefore we do not lose heart somebody say do not lose heart for though our outer man is decaying Our inner man is being renewed day by day for this momentary light affliction. Somebody say momentary. Somebody say light is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal. Amen. Thank God for his word. I want to preach today using for a little while or using as a subject. uh, Don't miss the point. Amen. Don't miss the point. Father, thank you for this time. Help us now in Jesus name. Amen. Don't miss the point. It is impossible for you to benefit from something that you misunderstand. It is impossible for you to benefit from something, from someone that you misunderstand. And many of us are missing out on the benefit of our lives because we've misunderstood the purpose of our lives. This is really the message that Paul is communicating in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Paul has been challenged based on the circumstances of his life as to whether or not he is actually eligible to be an apostle in the Lord's church. And the reason why they are questioning his apostolic authority is because his life, according to them, does not match up with the life of someone who is called by God. Because the Corinthians had an immature and arrogant theology that said that if I'm really on the Lord's side, then nothing should be going wrong in my life. Then everything should be going well in my life. That I should have more money than I know what to do with. I should be overly prosperous and everything should be sunshine and there should be no cloudy days if God's hand is really on my life. And Paul writes to them to tell them that he is in fact truly an apostle. 
because unlike others who have not had any problems in their lives, Paul is living proof of the favor and mercy of God because Paul has been able to go through life's hardships and still survive. And let me pause there just for a moment and ask somebody, is that how you know God is on your side? Not because everything has gone well for you, but in the midst of bad things, God has kept his hand on you and prevented you from falling into the things that other people have fallen into. And what we have to understand about this Christian walk is that the life of the believer is not a life that is uh, removed from the troubles of life. But the life of the believer is one that is filled with trouble and at the same time filled with the grace of God that allows us to withstand and live through that same trouble. In other words, the reason why I know that I am touched by God is not because I have not seen affliction, but the reason I know that I am touched by God is because I've faced affliction and I've come out on top. Now, this is not for anybody who came to church feeling like... Like you are uh, better than everybody else and you don't want to admit that you've had any bad days and you want to try to pretend like you've never struggled like you've never felt like throwing in the towel like you've never felt like walking away from faith and from family and from your responsibilities but if you're anything like me in the building and some days you felt like giving up because of all of the pressure that you've had to deal with then Paul says you are in good Christian company because the mark of a believer is not someone who has not faced trouble but the mark of a true believer is someone who has gone through trouble and has come out on top and God wants you to understand that the afflictions in your life the things that you go through the hell and the high water the trial and the tribulation the pain and the problems that you face on a daily basis are not reasons for you to believe that God is not with you but they're reasons for you to thank God because God is the only one in the universe who has the power to take affliction and use it for your advancement. God is the only one that has the power to take your problems and your pain and your trial and your tribulation and when you look back over your life you'll be able to say that it made you better. I know that I'm on good preaching ground because the Bible says this same Paul in Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says all things work together for the good of them who love God and are the called according to, your, to his purpose. Now how many believers do I have in in the house today if you're a Christian put your hand up for me let me know who I'm talking to if you're a believer in the house today now this is good news for you because the Bible doesn't say that all things work together for the good of everybody if you're in sin all things are not working for your good if you're not a believer all things are not working together for your good if you have not accepted Christ as your Lord and your liberator as your sovereign and your savior then all things are not working together for your good but if you are called according to the purpose of God. If you are a Christian, then no matter what you're going through in your life, all things are working together for your good. Now, can I tell y'all something interesting about the Greek text? The words all things in the Greek mean all things. God help me. You missed it. Let me come back to it. All things means all things. It doesn't just mean good things. It doesn't just mean things that you like. It doesn't mean things that just feel good to you. It means all things, if you're a believer, are working together 
for your good. So even the things that you don't like that do not feel good to you are still good for you. And so what Paul is trying to get us to understand in this text is that when bad things happen to us, we cannot miss the point of the bad things. Because if you are called according to the purpose of God, then bad things are happening in your life, not to you to hurt you, but for you to make you better. God help me. You're going to be better on the other side of this trial. And when we come to verse 16, when we penetrate the periphery of this particular passage of scripture, Paul then says, therefore, we do not lose heart. God help me. I feel like preaching. I wish I had some help. Paul says, therefore, what do you mean therefore? Whenever you see a therefore in the text, Cedric, you got to ask what the therefore is there for. Paul says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Why don't we lose heart? He says, for though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. He says, I'm not losing heart because I understand that though the situation on the outside of me is affecting me in a vicious way, it's tearing me apart on the outside. What it's doing on the outside is not reflective of what's happening on the inside. It's beating me up on the outside, but it's building me up on the inside. It's killing me on the outside, but it's curing me on the inside. It's hurting me on the outside, but it's helping me on the outside, and it's helping me. Check this out. Paul says day by day, God help me, that every day, God help me, every affliction is met with help. Every time Satan sends something, have you ever felt like in your life, have you ever felt like that every day there was a new trouble, every day there was a new worry, every day there was a new concern, every day there was a new issue, every day married folk, there was a new argument, every day parents, there was a new expense, a new issue, but God says that even though troubles come day by day, the help, the benefit of the trouble also comes to you day by day, so when Satan is throwing you trouble, he's actually helping you instead of hurting you, and is there anybody here who can testify that my troubles made me better, Satan thought he was hurting me, but it was in that midnight hour of life that I learned the dark night of the soul, that I learned the most about my God. It built me up spiritually because if I never got sick, I wouldn't have learned he was a healer. If I never got depressed, I would have never learned that he was a mind regulator. If I had never gotten broke, I wouldn't have learned that he was a provider. If I had never lost a loved one, I wouldn't have learned that when mother and father forsake you, the Lord will take you up. Is there anybody here in the building that can say, I'm glad that my troubles are building me up on the inside? Paul says, look, he says, our outer man is decaying, yet the inner man is being renewed day by day. Look at what he's saying. He's saying that the outer man, the minute that you are born, you start living and dying at the same time. Every day of your life, you are living and dying. God has started the clock because of sin. The moment you are born, the clock of mortality starts ticking away at your life. And you are living and dying at the same time. And Paul says, although salvation does not stop the clock of mortality, 
It helps build up something inside of me that is going to outlive this mortal body. God help me. That there is something happening on the inside that though my flesh is getting weak, my spirit is getting stronger. And some of us spend so much investing in our flesh and in our bodies and in our desires and in our thought processes. But God says you got to learn how to use trouble as an investment in your spiritual wealth. God says that when you see trouble coming, you don't run from it, but you run to it because you understand that every affliction that God allows, God is using to bless you. Yeah. But then this is what trips me out. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart for though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. But then verse 17 says, for momentary, somebody say momentary, light affliction. Now, this probably does not vex you like it vexes me, probably because you do not understand the circumstances under which Paul is writing. This letter takes place while Paul is in prison during his second missionary journey. Paul is writing this letter not from his pastoral study, behind his HD monitor from his MacBook Pro. Paul is writing this letter in the dark, damp prison cells of the Roman Empire. Paul is in jail under threat of execution for preaching the gospel. Paul is in jail. And yet, with his life being threatened, with no hope of release, Paul calls his situation light and momentary. You missed it. Uh, Paul, Paul is in prison. He's not at home because he stubbed his toe. He ain't in bed because he had a headache. He's not on vacation chilling with his family. Paul is in prison. And he calls it a light and momentary affliction because Paul understands that the purpose of God for his life is not for him to end up in prison but it's for him to fulfill his purpose of presenting the gospel before Caesar you you, you miss what I'm saying Paul says because I know what God has called me to and I know that this is not where I'm supposed to end up no matter how bad my situation is, I can consider it light and momentary. God help me. And I don't know what you're going through, but whatever it is, if it's not where God told you you're going to end up, it's a light and momentary affliction. God help me. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but somebody needs to understand that if this is not where God told you you're going to end up, it's a light and momentary affliction. Can I pause there parenthetically and insert this? That's why it's important for you to hear God. That's why it's important for you to sit under preaching that launches you into purpose and for you to be connected 
to a body that speaks destiny into you because when destiny is spoken into you you understand that where you are is not where you're going to end up that what you did is not the person that you are that what your mistakes are is not the sum total of your destiny before a sovereign God that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in you I wish somebody would help me preach and touch your neighbor and say better is coming I I know it doesn't look like it I know it doesn't feel like it I know that when you check your bank account it doesn't look like better in your bank account and on your credit report and when you pull in your driveway and when you're driving down the highway it doesn't feel like better but God told me to tell you that this is just a momentary light affliction as a matter of fact touch him again and say it'll be over in a moment God help me uh, it'll be over in a moment it'll be over in a moment I don't care how bad it is God told me to tell somebody it'll be over in a moment God said I don't care how long it feels in my time it's a moment God help me God says that one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day it doesn't matter how long you've been in it when I say you got to come out of it you'll come out of it in a moment is there anybody here who can say there have been times when I've been in trouble times when I've been in distress times when I've dealt with depression but when God called me out of that thing it was all over in a moment God said it's a momentary light affliction but this also then challenges us as to how we view our trouble No matter how long you've been in it, it is a momentary light affliction. You got to change your perception now. You got to change your perspective. Look, he, he says, I don't care how long you've been in it. It's a momentary and light affliction. Huh. Uh, momentary is relative to the destiny of the individual going through the moment. You hear what I'm saying? Okay. That your destination, the duration of your, of your existence in trouble is relative to what God has planned for you on the other side of that trouble. Yes. Which Paul understands that my season of divine delight is going to be much longer than this season of temporary disappointment. Yes. Do you hear what I'm saying? What, what, what he's saying is, no matter how long I'm in this, God has to match what's on the other side of this to what he allowed me to stay in before I got to my destiny. Do you understand what I'm saying? Which means that as long, God help me here, as long as I waited in disappointment, God has to let me spend in the enjoyment of the fulfillment of my purpose. So this is why you got to understand that it's important how you wait. Because when you wait on God, you're never wasting time because time belongs to God. So if you're waiting on God, you got to wait with your head held high. Don't embarrass God while you're waiting on him because when he brings you out of it, he's going to let you spend as much time over here. God, help me. As you spend over here, God, help me. You don't get it yet. I, I went to the barber shop. I went to the barber shop a little while ago uh, and my barber is in demand. That's why I don't tell y'all his name for real because I don't want him to get booked up. And so uh, 
my barber stays in demand and, and, and he had some customers in front of me. Now what I do uh, is I try to pay him enough uh, to where when I come in the shop, he'll bump me ahead of the other folk who don't pay him as much. But he had a couple Jaguars players in there and I can't get with them. My pockets ain't deep like that. And so he had me waiting for those three Jaguars players that he was cutting in front of me. Now this is the thing. Uh, when I pay my money, Maya, for a haircut appointment, I want the full experience of the haircut. I want the hot towel. I want him to shave me. I want him to do everything that he does to my hair when I sit in the chair, right? And I felt like because he had so many customers in front of me and because he had so many customers behind me that he was going to shortchange me when I finally got in the chair because I know my people. I know how we do sometimes. And I felt like when I got in the chair, my barber came was going to shortchange me. But after he got done cutting all those people's hair, he sat me in the chair and said, Pastor, I'm ready for you. I sat in the chair and he gave me the full experience, the full experience that I had paid for. Even though there were people before me and there were people waiting after me, he gave me the full experience. Check this out. I asked him after, I said, man, I thought you were going to shortchange me. I thought you were going to give me the little quick cut. I didn't think you were going to do the full treatment. Uh, because you had so many people in front of me and you had so many people after me. It's a Saturday. I know you're backed up. He said, well, I had to give you everything I promised because that's what I guarantee. God, help me. And it doesn't matter how many people are coming after you. They got to wait so that you can have your full turn. And if you waited for them to have their full turn in front of you, God, help me, then you deserve to get everything that was promised to you. Come here. Let me preach to you in the back. God says that it doesn't matter how long you've been waiting in trouble when it's five Finally, your turn. God is going to give you his full attention. As a matter of fact, do me a favor one more time and touch your neighbor and say he's going to give you his full attention. God doesn't shortchange people. When he brings you out, God says it's producing for you an eternal weight of glory. Uh, look, look at what he says. He says that the weight of glory, he says the light, the, the affliction is Light and it's momentary. But the weight of glory that the affliction is producing is eternal and it is far beyond all comparison. Yeah, he, he says this light momentary affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory. What he's saying is, beloved, the pain is temporary. But the product that the pain is producing lasts forever. God, help me. Uh, uh, that the pain only lasts for a moment. God, help me. Uh, but the product that the pain is producing on the inside of your immortal soul lasts forever. And God says that if you allow me to go to take you through the process of pain, then you'll produce something that will be far beyond all comparison. Look at what he's saying. He's saying that on the other side of pain, you're going to receive something that is bigger, that is greater, that is brighter, that is more holy, that is more worthy of praise than the pain that you went through. But what you have to do is survive the pain. First Thessalonians 4 says, be not weary in well-doing. For in due season, you will reap a harvest if what? If you faint not. Yeah, the receiving of the harvest is predicated on your ability to not give up. Yeah, it's not on your, 
not on how many buckets you have to reap the harvest, how many baskets. It's, it's not even on how much you sow because if you sow and you give up before the harvest comes, then you've just wasted your seed. Somebody else is going to gather your harvest. But your, your ability to gather the harvest is based on your ability to not give up in the midst of affliction because God says even though it's painful, what's on the other side of the pain is going to last forever and be bigger than what you went through. Uh, okay. Therefore, we do not lose heart. For though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Verse 18, and I'm done. It says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. Huh. I got to stop there. Okay. Paul says, we do not affix our gaze, literally in the Greek. We do not attach our attention to the things which are seen. Why don't we do it? Because the things which are seen are temporal. Literally, they are temporary. The things which are seen. I, I wish y'all had got that. If you had got that, you would have shouted. The things which are seen are temporary. The, the, the things which are seen. <laughs> the things that you can see are temporary. God help me. I wish you'd get it. The things that you see are temporary. Okay, let me help you. Uh, that's why I'm here. Pastor Josh here to help. Let me help you. The things that you can see are temporary. Okay, bills are things that you can see. Temporary. Doctor's reports are things that you can see. Temporary. Family members that get on your nerves are things that you can see temporary people that want to see you fired on your job are things that you can see temporary things in your finances that are irking your nerves are temporary that your bank statement is temporary your credit report is temporary and so Paul says don't affix your eyes to things that you can see because the things that you can see are all going to pass away now let me help you on a deeper level that means that when you are investing your time, your talent, your treasure, your attention, and your affection, why are you investing everything into things that are temporary? God, help me. The old saints would say only what you do for Christ will last. God, help me. And so many of us are spending, we've attached our attention. We've set our gaze on temporary things. God, help me. I want to help you now. Relationships are temporary. Uh, friendships are temporary. Your job is temporary. Your financial goals are temporary. But God says, if you stop focusing on things which you can't see, God said you'll be able to make an investment in a place that you can see. I can't see. God help me. And the thing I love about it is, Paul 
said that everything that you can see at some point is going to pass away. But the things that you can't see, Lord have mercy, uh, they're going to last forever. And is there anybody here that can say, I understand it now. I've been wasting time focusing on troubles that I can see. Wasting my emotion, my tears on things that I can see. But God says the things that I can see are going to be over in a moment. Uh, but the things that I can't see are going to last forever. God, help me. Oh, God, I, I know. I, I know y'all think I'm tripping, but let me help you like this. Uh, so I told you about some things that you can see that are temporary. Uh, oh, God, let me tell you about some things that you can't see uh, that last forever. Uh, I've never, Cedric, been able to put my eyes on mercy, uh, but I'm glad that his mercy endures forever. I've never been able in my life to put my eyes on goodness, uh, but his goodness lasts forever. I've never been able to put my eyes on favor, uh, but his favor is forever. I've never been able to put my eyes on love, uh, but his love is forever. I've never been able to put my eyes on the Holy Ghost. Uh, I can feel it sometimes, uh, but I'm glad that his Holy Ghost uh, lasts forever. I've never been able with, a, with binoculars or with the telescope or even with a satellite image uh, to look up in the sky and see heaven, but I'm glad that heaven is for real and it's forever. And God says, don't focus, Lord, have mercy on the things that you can see, but focus on what you can't see. God, help me. And is there anybody here who can say there were some things in my life that I'm believing God for that I can't see yet, but I know that they're on the way because what's seen is temporary, but what I can't see is eternal. Oh, God, there were some things that I'm believing God for. And I know I can't see them yet. But I'm going to endure. Oh, Lord. I was going to preach a different text. But God gave me this text this in the middle of this week. But I was going to preach from Isaiah chapter 40. He says that he gives power to the weak. God, help me. And to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Even the youth will faint and be weary. And the young men will utterly fall. But here's the kicker. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. I wish I had a voice today. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and they won't faint. And God told me to tell somebody that if you keep on pressing through problems, if you keep pressing through pain, it is an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Oh God, I got to close, but I got to preach the text right. I won't feel good tonight when I lay down in my bed if I don't preach the text right. What then, beloved, is the eternal weight of glory? What is the prize, Maya, that is beyond all comparison? What is the thing that God is working on to develop in me that is going to make me look back over my life and shout once I reach my purpose? The eternal weight of glory that Paul is talking about is the same glory that he was talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And it is the blessing that when I come out of this affliction, I'll no longer look like Saul of Tarsus. I'll no longer look like the Apostle Paul. I won't even look like the best of the Christian army. But when I get done with this affliction, when I come out on the other side, I'm going to look like Jesus. And that's the blessing of every believer that God uses the crucible of trouble. He uses the laboratory of trial and 
tribulation to perform spiritual cosmetic surgery on you so that at the end of your life you no longer look like you the trifling you the gossiping you the whoremongering you the lustful you the lying you the spending your tithe you the unfaithful you you don't look like you anymore but when God is all said and done when it's all over you'll look like Jesus is there anybody here who can say that's my goal I don't want to be rich I want to look like Jesus I don't want to be famous I want to look like Jesus I don't want a lot of stuff I want to look like Jesus when I can look like Jesus that's how I know God I want to talk like him I want to love like him I want to heal like him I want to preach like him I want to be like Jesus and whatever I'm going through financial trouble relational trouble mental illness anxiety whatever I'm going through God is using I know it don't feel good right now I know you don't like the way it feels I know you're having a hard time dealing with it I know you're tired of going to the doctor I know you're tired of crying over that same old thing I know you're tired of going through what you went through but God says it's just a momentary light affliction that's beyond all comparison that when God gets through with you God help me you're going to come forth the old saints would say it like this please be patient with me for God is not finished working on me but when God gets finished working on me I shall come forth as pure gold so if you see me walking and I'm not walking right if you see me talking God help me and I'm not talking right you got to understand that God is still doing a work in me is there anybody here who's under construction oh God come on don't leave me hanging is there anybody here who's still going through problems who's still dealing with difficulty who's still got stuff in their mind that they wish that God would help you get through God said I'm not going to pull you out of it right now I'm going to let you sit there a little while longer until you understand that even though it doesn't feel good while it's working it's still working for your good that's a good place for me to take my exit do me a favor now touch your neighbor and say neighbor it might not feel good while it's working but it's working for your good let me close I got to close like this now it's working for your good might not feel good while it's working but it's working for your good my son uh, for some reason uh, is always in a hurry uh, to take some medicine he the only kid I know uh, that when you say junior we got medicine he says I'll have some never runs away from medicine so several months ago my son kept coming to me saying daddy my, my stomach hurts my tummy hurts daddy my tummy hurts my stomach hurt and I was on the phone with my mom my mom said give him a little bit of such and such and I, I said mama he ain't gonna want that because that's nasty it don't taste good and if I give it to him if I try to give it to him he gonna spit it out and so she said just do what I told you I've raised more children than you have listen to me I said yes ma'am uh, so I said junior come here 
Uh, y'all do know we call him Juju. Juju is short for junior, right? That's, his name is not Julius. I might call him stuff like that, but his name is Joshua Jerome Eggerson Jr. That's where the Juju comes from. Anyway, so I said, Junior, come here. Uh, he says, yes, Daddy. I said, did your tummy hurt? He said, yeah, Daddy, my tummy hurt. I said, okay, uh, come here and take this medicine. He said, that's Juju's medicine? I said, yeah, uh, that's Juju's medicine. And so he leans his head back, trip me out, leans his head back, opens his mouth, and tastes it. But the reason why he's excited about it, Coriana, is because he's never had medicine before. So he has no expectation that what I'm about to put in his mouth is nasty because everything that I've given him has tasted good. So he opens up his mouth wide and I pour this thick, pink, nasty tasting medicine into his mouth and he makes a face like And I'm on the phone with my mama. I said, see, mama, he don't like the medicine. He about to spit it out. But he does something that blows my mind. He swallows the medicine. And because I still had a little bit more in the cup, he throws his head back again and opens his mouth. And I said, Jew, did you like the way that tastes? He said, no, daddy, it's nasty. I said, you want some more? He said, yeah, daddy, I need more medicine because my tummy hurt. And so he opened up his mouth and he takes the medicine that he knows is nasty. Now this blows my mind because I'm not in preacher mode, I'm in daddy mode. So I'm on the phone with my mother. And so I say, mom, the medicine was nasty. I thought he was gonna spit it out. But instead of spitting out the medicine, he opened up his mouth and took a second dose of what he knew did not taste good to him the first time. And I said, Mama, you got to explain this to me because like you said, you've raised more children than I have. So can you explain to me why my son gladly received something that did not taste good to him? And my mother said something that blew my mind. And I said, one day I'm going to use it in a sermon. My mother said the reason why he took it is because he knew that even though it did not taste good, he knew that his father wouldn't give him something that didn't taste good that wouldn't make him feel better after a little while. Come here, let me preach to you. God told me to tell you that the medicine of affliction does not feel good in the moment. But if you throw your head back and take it, after a little while, God help me, it'll feel better for you in the end. God says it may not feel good while it's working, but all things work together for the good of them who love God and are the called according to his purpose. And if you believe it, if you believe that God will keep his word, I dare you to stand upon your feet, open up your mouth and give God praise like you believe he's going to fix it. Come on, open up your mouth and give him praise. Like you believe he's going to fix it. Like you believe he's going to work it out. Come on, open up your mouth. And give him praise like you believe. He's going to work out in the end. It might not feel good. But don't wait till the battle is over. Shout now. Shout now.
is greater. Therefore, come on, I dare you to lift up a sound now. Come on. Like you believe that though the outer man is perishing, something spiritual is happening. Come on. Something spiritual is happening. I can feel it now. Something spiritual is happening. It's a far greater weight of glory. A far greater weight of glory. It's a momentary light affliction. dare you to encourage somebody tell them it's just a light affliction it's oh come on encourage your neighbor say it's just a light affliction I don't I don't know what it is I don't know what you're going through I I don't know how deeply you've been disappointed I I don't know how hard it's been for you but it's just a light affliction it's just a light affliction and it's producing in us hear me a far greater weight of glory. Uh. Kenny, he takes us from light afflictions to weighted glory. God, help me. God says he's getting ready to make you heavy. God, help me. He ain't talking about your pounds on the scale. He says, you've been a lightweight up through here, but you ain't been able to take much. You, you haven't been able to hold your own in trouble. But God said the affliction is getting ready to make you heavy now. You're changing weight classes, baby. You're changing divisions. God is getting ready to do something in you that's greater. And I dare you to throw your hands up right now and say, I receive it now. Come on. Come on, I receive it now. ready to make you heavy it's a far greater weight 